presence, but tonight I want to share with you about power in the name of Jesus. And uh, I've had this in my heart even as I was studying for Easter and just uh, reading through some things. There were just some verses that came up, and so Tom, you know, uh, if the Lord, this uh, actually something that I heard uh, Pastor Paul Trokel say one time was, he said, if you, if the Lord hasn't given you something specific to preach, then preach what's on your heart. And uh, and so this is what's on my heart right now. And, um, you know, and so I didn't have a specific thing necessarily uh, that I felt like the Lord had me to necessarily minister. But this is just something that's just been rolling around in my heart. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was, was thinking about this and just kind of praying through some things. You know, the, the phrase came to mind, which is what's in a name. And I was trying to remember, I'm like, well, that's not scriptural, I don't believe. And so I know some of you are, uh, you know, really into Elizabethan English, but it's actually a phrase that comes from Romeo and Juliet. And uh, it's actually part of the, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Where it's the dialogue between Romeo and Juliet. He says, you know, but I'm not part of, you know, you know, we're war and we're fighting either other's family. And she's like, what's in a name? You know, and she makes the statement and says, a rose by any other name would be sweet. And, you know, makes all these statements. And, you know, and, and yet there is significance in a name. And, uh, you know, so I want to share some things with you uh, about this uh, because it, you know, whether we realize it or not, there's great pressure on the church to quit using the name of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yet we see it in, it can be, let me say it this way, it can be used in a negative sense. We can take the name of the Lord in vain, but we just can't say it for a good reason. Right? right? I mean, people can cuss and say the name of Jesus and nobody thinks anything about it. But yet as the church, we feel pressured to what? Not say in the name of Jesus. I mean, I've even heard people say things like, you know, to pray this and they'll say in, in his name. Amen. Well, why didn't you just say it? Because there is a pressure to conform and to be, you know, and yet I don't see that with any other religion. I don't see that happening with the Muslims. They can get up and pray to Muhammad and, you know, and it's like, well, the name of Jesus is offensive. It's supposed to be. I mean, scripturally speaking, it's offensive. You know, and so, I mean, you know, I know we're not supposed to be easily offended, but the Bible does say that Jesus is the cornerstone that will be a stumbling block to many. You know, and, and, you know, and so in our culture, we see this, though, where we feel pressured to, you know, to not use the name of Jesus. And yet this is nothing new. This has been around since Jesus walked the earth. You know. And so I want to show you. Share just a few scriptures with you here. Starting in Philippians chapter 2. In verse 9 it says. And the background of this scripture is that. Uh, the Bible is really telling us that Jesus came in the form of a servant. He humbled himself. You know. And, and ultimately. Died the death on the cross. Verse 9 he says. Because of this God has elevated him to a place of highest honor. And he has given him a name above all other names. So why is the name of Jesus offensive? Because it's preeminent. No other name measures up to it. Now I'm not talking about your buddy Jesus that you work with. You know what I mean? We had a young man in our youth group in Kansas, and his name was Jesus. He was a big old Hispanic guy. I mean, huge man. Just a, a, you know, he's like 16, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, this kid's huge. And I'm not talking, I mean, Jesus in biblical context. And yet, if we aren't careful, we will lose the significance of that name and the significance of our use of that name. 
just because of a pressure to conform. And yet, you know, and so, but here he says is that, that God has elevated him and he's given him a name above all other names. In verse 10 it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So that tells us, and so here's a few things. Number one, to recognize the name of Jesus as something of importance means that immediately you have to recognize that what? Jesus is more important than me. It's saying, hey, he's preeminent. He's first. He's foremost. He is above me and above all. Well, most people don't want to do that. If they would, they would get saved. Because they would submit. They would surrender. But yet, man, it's just people won't. And so, but we see this and then we also see three places that the name of Jesus has authority. It says that God gave him a name above all other names. That even at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. There will come a day where every knee will bow. Not in force, because that's probably how many of us look at it. But because they will see the reality of who he is. And in that moment, they will willingly bow. Even Satan. And yet here it says that there are three places that the name of Jesus has. Let me say it this way. There's three places that the name of Jesus has weight or authority. You ever been around somebody and they're just like a wise person? You'd say, man, their words just have weight. The name of Jesus has weight. This has been foremost. We see it here. It says in heaven. So the name of Jesus has authority or has weight in heaven with God and with the angels. The name of Jesus also has authority and weight on earth over men. The third place would be under the earth, which would be um, all the powers of darkness over the enemy and all the powers of hell. The name of Jesus has authority, has power. Now, they didn't give it to him. He went there and took it, the Bible says. Now, you can go read about this, but it's Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. It says that he triumphed over the enemy and basically paraded him through the streets of hell. That would be the most accurate translation of that. Taking from him what? The power of death, hell, and the grave. So on his way out, he was not quietly slipping out. He didn't just disappear in the middle of the night. Jesus had a Mardi Gras parade through the streets of hell on his way out. And so, but it goes on here. And it, so we see this authority in three places. Then it says in verse 11, And every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Muhammad will declare that Jesus is Lord. Every leader of every world religion will look at Jesus and say, I was wrong. He's Lord. He's Messiah. He alone. It says every tongue will declare to the glory of God. You know, and, and so there's so many things that we can pull from this and, and really look at, but we have to understand that the name of Jesus is under assault. It is. And it has been since the days that Jesus walked the earth. Why? Because it's the one thing that the devil can do nothing about. When, the, when we properly use the name of Jesus, he is stuck. Why? Because now you realize that I did say properly use the name of Jesus. There's a proper way to do this. You know, I mean, here's just kind of a funny thought, but have you ever heard somebody like, you know, stub their toe, hammer their finger and go, oh, Muhammad. Like, I mean, 
why is it that we hear it all the time? Jesus Christ. Not in a good way. You don't hear it about any other person, belief structure. It's always what? It's always targeted. I mean, we say it, I mean, people say it in slang all the time. Well, why is it just Jesus and not others? You ever thought about that? I mean, the, the Bible tells us in that God said, do not take my name in vain. Of all the things that God could have been protective of, he chose his name. I mean, he could have been protective of a lot of things. But he said, don't take my name in vain. Now, there's lots of ways to take his name in vain. It's not just using it as a cuss word. That, that could be part of it. But another way to say not, or to take his name in vain is to not reverence his name when you speak it. You're flippant with it. You're just casual with it. And I believe lose sight of the, the strategy of the enemy to get us to, to really lose sight of the weight of the name of Jesus. Of what's associated and really the power that has been made available for us through the name of Christ in our life. I believe it's a strategy and a trick of uh, the enemy. And so, you know, the name of Jesus is more than just a salutation to our prayer. How many of you know what a salutation is? You know, at the end of a letter, you write, sincerely, me. That's the, so that's more than just, okay, I pray what I need to pray in Jesus' name. In fact, it's the in Jesus' name that makes the rest of the prayer even effective. The rest of the prayer is pointless until you say who's backing it up. That's what gives the prayer the power. And your prayers don't have to be great and eloquent and pretty and all those nice fancy things. But they do need, and there, but there has to be faith in the name of Jesus when you pray. It's not just like a, a flippant, just like, well, you know, that's what I say. There, there has to be faith in that name. There has to be true belief in the name of Jesus. Now let me show you an example of this where we see in the early church. This comes in Acts chapter 4. Now let me give you the backstory of this because I don't want to read it. It's a fairly familiar passage of Scripture. We will read a portion of the Scripture. But uh, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They heal the lame man at the gate beautiful. And he says, um, you know the man, well let me, let me back up here. No, I'm sorry. Chapter 3. I'm going to read some stuff out of chapter 4. Oh, wait, is this right? Hold on. Let me back up. I do want to read this. I left this out of my notes, I guess. So. Unless it's down here. Let me double check. Make sure I didn't get something out of order. Acts chapter 3. The, the, the man is laying there lame. So he looks, and so uh, he's asking for money. And so Peter and John looked up at him, or he looked at them intently and they said, look at us. The lame man looks at him eagerly expecting some money. But Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I give, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. In the name of Jesus. It says instantly the man was healed and strengthened. It's really a double miracle. Because he wasn't just healed, but his bones and muscles and everything were also strengthened in a moment so that he could actually stand. Because if you've never used a muscle, it has no strength. I mean, you ever broke a bone and get a cast, and then after just a few short weeks, you're like, oh my gosh. You look like a pencil stick over here, and you got like a normal arm over here. It's why? Because atrophy sets in really fast. Well, if you've never used your muscles, then it, they need strength. And so we have this account. Well, man, it creates a scene. 
Obviously, it creates a scene. And so, but what Peter tells me, he says, look, I don't have anything for you, but what I do have, which is what? The power, the authority, and the presence of God in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. So it wasn't just that he had power and authority. It wasn't just that he was a disciple. It wasn't just that he had seen Jesus heal the multitudes. He had an understanding in the name of Jesus. That the name makes a difference. And so here in chapter 4 of Acts, we see this. And so, um, let's see here. Where do I want to pick up? Well, for the sake of time, uh, we won't read all this, but I'm just going to give you some highlights. Basically, Peter and John get called into the, the front of the religious leaders of the day, and they begin to question them about this miraculous thing that has happened. They're trying to get to the bottom of it because it's kind of created a scene, which is a problem for them. Because, uh, and, and so, but they ask a question of them in verse 7. It says, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Yeah. By what power and in whose name? See, they had an understanding of authority that was associated with a name. I mean, even in their culture, it it had meaning to it. And they wanted to know by what power or in whose name. So you've either got a power or you've got a name, but one of them you've had to use, if not both. What name did you use? Whose power did you use? So it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and so he... Kind of begins a dialogue, and then in verse 10, he says, Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. He says, There is salvation in no one else. That's offensive. There's many ways to God, not according to scripture. I'm going to listen to the guy who got out of the grave, not the one who's laying in the grave. Now he says here, there's only, there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name. So God seems to be pretty particular about this name thing. He talks about it a lot. He says, there's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Krishna, none of, the, none, none of these other religions. Well, is it, is it going to get you to heaven? No other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Verse 13, it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. In other words, their confidence. He says, because they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in Scripture. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of, out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that, uh, that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. See, they had an understanding that what? They could do nothing if they would keep using the name. They had a good control. They had a good little monopoly on the religious circles of the day. And they said, okay, the only thing we can do is to threaten them that if they keep using this name, we're going to get them. Which they did threaten them. 
I mean, here it doesn't really go into detail, but they threatened him with jail, with beating, with all kinds of things. And so they were trying to get to a point where what? They could get things back under wraps. They were just banking on the fact that, man, we can intimidate them to not use this name anymore. Because they had a realization that there was nothing that they could do as long as they used that name. As long as they believed and had faith in the name of Jesus. Even though in exactly what he said. The Jesus that you crucified, that God raised from the dead. His is the name that we have used that God has performed this miraculous sign through. In verse 29, they begin to pray because they get released and they go back. The Bible says they go back to their own company or to their own kind of people and they begin to pray. In verse 29, it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in the preaching of your word. It says, Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant. Now, in so many things, you know, even in our day today, for us, we would even say, man, if I can just get somebody in the presence of God, they could get healed. Well, that's not what he says right here. He says, I don't necessarily have to have the right atmosphere set if I have the name. That means I can pray for somebody on the street corner and they can be healed. And I don't have to rain down heaven to get God ready to do a miracle. What I need is the name and faith in that name so that God can do miraculous things. So it goes on in verse 31. It says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to preach the Word of God with great boldness. Now, I realize that it says preaching the Word of God. They began to tell people about what God had done. They weren't preaching a message. They didn't have three points that they could tell somebody you know, quickly at a stoplight. They were just sharing the story of what God had been doing. And that's what it's talking about. That normal people went and told about what God had done in their life to other people. And then people began, and, and people began to be touched and changed. But it, was be, but it was by the authority and the power of that name that it was happening. And so we see this so many times. And, so, and really the name of Jesus, this is something I put in my notes, I believe this to be true. Is that the name of Jesus is a key that unlocks heaven. The name of Jesus. Faith in the name of Jesus will unlock all that heaven wants to do. Jesus taught it and said it this way. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth. So there's there's another way you can say this. Whatever you allow, God will allow. Whatever you put a stop to, God will put a stop to. Now it's not that we do it in our own authority or in our own ability. But it is faith in the name of Jesus. That it has power. That it is, let me say it this way again, it is weighty. It has something to it when we use the name properly. So why is it that the devil keeps trying to keep us from using the name of Jesus? Do you think it's for the same reason that the religious elites of the day were trying to get Peter and John to stop using the name? You know, there's an account in the book of Acts of seven sons of Sceva. And they went around... Trying to cast out a devil. These were some knuckleheads. They were sons of a priest. They were church rats. Let me say it that way. Or church brats. Maybe that's a, That might be a nicer way to say it. But that's what they were. So they went around running around. They found a guy who was demon possessed. And they said, we command you to come out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches about. And the demon responds and says, Paul I know and Jesus I know. Who are you? 
The story goes, they got their tails whipped. Seven on one, and they still got beat down. Why? Because they didn't understand what they were doing. And, and the truth of it is, is that they didn't have a personal revelation of that name. They were just parroting something that they had heard other people say. That, that was the problem. That's why I say that you, as an individual, have to have faith in the name of Jesus for you. Because you can't, I mean, you can try, but scripturally don't look like you got very good odds to say, in the name of Jesus that pastor talks about, leave me alone. It's, it's probably, not, I mean, faith is personal. I mean, because if it were true that you could use the name of Jesus that I talk about, then you could also say, well, I, I'm saved by the faith of, pa-. no, you, you're not. You're not saved by the faith of your mama or your friend or anybody else. You're saved by your own faith in Jesus. Well, the same principle is true when it comes to applying the name of Jesus to every circumstance and situation that you face. Because why? This is a key that God has given us. And so I believe that the enemy has tried very hard to get us and to pressure us to quit using the name. Why? Because he can gain an advantage as long as we don't. I mean, I've had seasons of attack in my life that stopped when I began to use the name of Jesus properly. Because I became aware that this is not just natural coincidences going on. Just one thing after another, you know. I was going through my phone the other day. I've, I've talked about this before, but uh, it was right after, well, when Max was uh, nine months old. There was about a three-week stretch of time where it just seemed like all hell broke loose in our life, just at every level. And I kept making the statement, the hits just keep coming, and they did. I kept saying it, and they kept coming. And finally, I just had a moment. It's like, hey, dummy, shut your mouth. And me and Derek got in agreement, and we said, in the name of Jesus, this has to stop. And I was going through my phone the other day. I was actually looking for some pictures from back then. And, I, and it was, I mean, like, I mean, everything from Max falling off, a, smacking his head on the ground, to financial things, to somebody ran into my truck sitting in a parking lot. Like, I'd forgotten about some of this stuff, and I'm, like, looking through these pictures. I'm like, man, that was a bad couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, I, I see a picture of the helicopter when they're loading Max in, and then, like, the next picture is, like, the front end of my car that got smashed by a trailer. And I mean, it was just like, I was like, man, I'm glad I finally took some authority over that. I can't imagine if that would have been the last three years of my, or whatever it is, two years of my life. Just dealing with that constantly every day. And many times the enemy gets an advantage over us. Number one, because we don't recognize that it's him. Now, not everything is the devil. We still live in a fallen world. And sometimes, I mean, like somebody ran into my truck. The devil did not jump into the driver's seat and drive their truck and clip the front of my car. Another human being did that. Who happened to actually be another pastor, which was kind of funny. It was funny in a way. I felt bad for him, but it did happen. But it was, but there are times, I mean, the Bible's very clear. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this age. Well, how do we deal with spiritual problems? We deal with them spiritually. The name of Jesus is a spiritual weapon in our arsenal. 
And it carries great power against them. And it will stop the work of darkness in our life. And so I believe one of the reasons that the enemy has tried so hard to get us to be casual with the name of Jesus is so that it just becomes casual, normal, common. It loses its real value and its real weight. Well, I think that's why we need to be mindful about the name of Jesus. And so we see this. I believe that the devil fears greatly the power and authority in the name of Jesus. I really do. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've been all over the world. I've ministered to people all over the place in the same name. It's amazing. In every language, the name of Jesus is the same. I mean, literally. I can get up in a, in a place that I cannot speak their language, and I can just say Jesus, and people will rejoice. They don't know anything I'm saying, but they know that name. Uh, I've not found a place yet that I've been. Now, there's lots of places I ain't been, so. But I've never been anywhere that that name did not carry very weight. Now, let me read you a couple verses here. Matthew chapter 12, this is right. Starting in verse 18, Jesus tells his disciples, this is right, at, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, but he says, I have been given... More accurately translated would be, I have, been, I have taken all authority that is in heaven and in earth. In other words, he took it back. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Mark's account of this, Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety, which that's, we're not handling snakes. That's, that's talking about the powers of darkness. In other words, that they can't hurt us. It says if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt you. It says they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. He's talking about principalities and powers there. He's not talking about drinking physical drink or handling snakes. That's craziness. Those people deserve to be bit when they get bit. It's just my opinion. Just saying. It's a misunderstanding of Scripture. But, but here Jesus says, look, I have all authority. And now he's giving it to the disciples. Really what it means is this. And the way that, that even when you study this out, it means that Jesus has given us access and power of attorney with his name. You know, like there's been times where I've had power of attorney for my parents, which means my signature is as good as theirs. Gives me the legal right to act on their behalf and to sign something for them. In other words, I'm as good as they are. and, And this is what Jesus is giving to us. That for me to stand in faith according and in line with the word of God and declare and use his name means like if Jesus himself were saying it. That's what it means when we take the name of Jesus and we use it in accordance to God's will according to the word of God. It's like Jesus himself telling Satan, you have to stop. You tormenting spirit, you leave my family alone. That's you in the name of Jesus. My house is a place of peace. We don't have chaos around here. In the name of... Why? Well, because God said he would give us peace. He said that we would sleep soundly. I mean, he's given us all these great promises. But hey, the name of Jesus is what validates those promises. And when we properly use that, 
in the right way, it produces power. John chapter 14 verse 12, Jesus speaking to the disciples again says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works. I would just settle for doing the works that Jesus did, but Jesus, now, this is my personal opinion on this verse. I know people have lots of opinion on it. I don't believe it's the, doing greater works is in the quality. I believe it's in the quantity. Jesus was one person reserved at one place in one physical location on earth. I don't believe that we can do anything that Jesus didn't do because well, I don't see anything Jesus couldn't do. I've not found that yet. I mean, the only time you find that is that he couldn't heal people, but it was because of their unbelief. But here, here he says that you would do even greater works because I'm going to my Father. In verse 13 he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. John 16, 23 and 24 he says, at that time you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. He says, you haven't done this before. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, y'all never prayed to the Lord in my name, but you're about to. He says, ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. So he says, look guys, I'm, I'm giving you a new instruction in the way to approach the Father. You don't have to come and ask me to pray for you. You're going to have access directly to God for yourself. And you use my name. And that will, let me say, I said this earlier. Is that the name of Jesus is like a key. Well, the name of Jesus is a key that lets you go to God. A lot of people are praying, but they don't have the key to unlock the door to get to the Father. But we have the key. It is the name of Jesus. And so we have this. Now I want to read you another scripture here. It's Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Jesus makes a statement to his disciples again. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes, scorpions, and crush them. He says, by nothing will by any means harm you. Now he goes on just for a little bit of clarity. He says in verse 20, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. So that tells you he's not talking about physical snakes, scorpions, and things. He's talking about spiritual powers. He says rejoice because your name is registered in heaven. Now that word authority there actually means, the Greek word is exousia. It's, a, it's just the New Testament was written in Greek, so... There you go. We're officially having a Wednesday night church now. And, uh, we've gone to the Greek. We're going deep. But that word exousia, authority, means this. Just so you know why, it's totally random, but so that everybody understands this, it would be good for you to understand as far as scripturally. Why do we look to the Greek or the Hebrew? Because our English language is very limited. Like, very limited. Like, we have the word love. Okay, well, you just like, is that like a friendly kind of love? Are you wanting to like date me, marry me? Like, somebody says, I love you. I don't know what that means. Well, in Greek, there's four different words for love, whereas in English, we have one. So it's like, well, which way are you coming at me? Like, I'm not quite sure how to take you. So anyhow, that's a freebie. No, so that's why we look deeper. That's why we press in. Why? Because our, our, our words many times are limited. And the Greek was a much more descriptive language. Um, much more spelled out, if you will. And so this word here, uh, authority, means to have divine permission. So, power of attorney. 
This one here, it's also another one. It says, supreme judicial authority. It's the right to command. The right to use the power of another. I like this one. It says, an authorized dealer of God's power. An authorized dealer of God's power. This is my own personal definition. It's the ability to get results. I like to get results. I don't like spinning my wheels. I get frustrated. Just I, I want to make something happen and let's make it happen now. Authority is what makes it happen. The authority, it's not because it's not physical power. It's the authority that gives us the ability to make things happen. So let me give you an example of this that I think will help you understand what, I'm, what I want you to catch tonight. I don't know if I've ever shared this illustration or not, but I, years ago the Lord, I don't know where I heard it or I don't know if the Lord just put it in my heart or what, but you know, many times I believe that we pray this way. And I'm going to give you a natural example of this. Is that we pray like this. All the lights in our house are out. So we pray. So in the natural, we call the power company. They get, you know, you hold for 10 minutes and they finally answer. And you're like, hey, the lights in my house are off. Can y'all turn on my power? So they're like, well, let me look and get on the computer. They log in. They're like, well, hey, you got, we show that you have power. Well, my lights are off. Well, no, you have power. You're like, no, I don't. I don't have power. You need to do something. You're the power company. Turn my lights on. They're like, sir, ma'am, you have power. I'm looking at it. I know I don't. Hey, could you do me a favor? Hey, walk over to the wall. (laughs) You see that switch? Could you just hit that for me? The lights are on. Yeah, because it's not their responsibility to turn my lights on. It's my responsibility to what? To use what they have provided for my benefit. Right? So many times we pray like this. God, fix it. My lights are off. God, would you turn my lights on? God, would you turn my lights on? He says, look, I've already provided you the power. I've already given you the ability. I've given you a name. Flip the switch. Quit praying for me to turn your lights on. Simply walk in what I have provided for you. Let me say it this way. Quit tolerating the darkness. Start talking to it. Now, I know this can, for some people, it's like, this is kind of weird, strange stuff. This is real life. You know, we have a book out there in the book nook that if you've never read it or if you're curious, it would even go into more detail into some of this. It's called, um, oh, shoot, uh, Triumphant Church, Brother Hagen. I remember when I was in Bible school, I had to read this. We had a class and, um, you know, about this. And, I, and I'll just tell you this story because I didn't know Jack about this stuff, really. I mean, I knew enough to be dangerous. I was like the seven sons of Sceva, you know. I just run. I didn't know much, but I was learning. And I remember at the time, you know, I, I've, always, I've always loved music. I'm not a musician, but I've always loved music. It's always been a part of my life. And so, uh, you know, at this point, I was probably, I don't know, 19 or something, maybe 20. And, um, but uh, I was still in college at the time, but I was going to Bible school and so as well. And, um, but I remember that, I mean, because this book that I referred to was all about really authority and really about taking your place, uh, you know, and really using your authority in Christ. 
And uh, I remember one night I was in bed, and you know, I, I won't go into the details, but I had this long, skinny room. I mean, I had a ping pong table in my bedroom because I lived, because all my sisters had left, and we had like this game room thing in our upstairs room. And so when my sisters left, I just took over the whole upstairs. It's like, why am I leaving, you know? And uh, so, anyhow, but what I had was I had a stereo on one end, and my bed was on the other end. And, uh, you know, and, and this may seem strange, but I, I can't help it. This is just what happened. So, um, but I was playing some music, so my stereo was on, and just quiet. And I was actually playing some worship music, and I was almost asleep, like right at the point of almost being asleep, but I was still slightly coherent. And then all of a sudden, the temperature in my room changed. I mean, like physically, like, and it wasn't like the, I'm not saying like it went from like 70 to 40. I mean, but it was like something changed yeah. to the point where it kind of woke me up. And I remember I woke up and I looked down the room because it was kind of, the ceiling was kind of like, you know, pitched like this. And, um, but I could see, the best way I know how to explain it is like a fog over the ceiling that was darker. And the only way that I could even see it was because the lights on the stereo were shining. And I could see it and it was like moving. Now, I know this is weird. I'm just telling you, it's just true. But beyond what I could see, what I could feel was very different. And it was also very dark. And I truly believe that it was the enemy trying to intimidate me. Because here I am learning about this stuff. And he's like, hey, buddy, let's just see what you got. Because I could have just written it off. Be like, man, that's spooky stuff. That's weird. And to be quite honest, it was intimidating. And I remember I laid down for a moment. And then I had the thought, I don't have to put up with this. Because it was, I mean, it, it affected me. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about just like, oh, get a blanket. I mean, like, it affected me to my core. Yeah. Like, something ain't right. Something feels wrong. And I remember I sat up in my bed and I got a little angry about it. I would say angry. You could also say it bold. But I remember I, I just sat up in bed and I looked to the other end of the room. I said, in the name of Jesus, you have no right in here. I don't know what you are and I don't need to know. But you have to leave in Jesus' name that fast. The room was back normal. Everything was normal. Never had it happen again. One time. Now, I've, I've had other experiences like that in my life. I mentioned one earlier, a couple years ago, me and Derek, just a season. We've had times in our finances where, man, it just seems like there's an attack. It's, and it's more, well, you need to take authority in those areas. You got a, somebody that you go to work with or somebody that's in your life and they are just completely, constantly combating to you. And it's not just they don't like you. Like there's something else going on. You need to take authority over that. That's with the name of Jesus. If there just seems to be a stronghold of the enemy, there's something that you just keep, you just kind of, you run up to it and bang and you fall back. And run up to it and bang. And it just seems like something you can't break through. It might be the enemy. I'm not guaranteeing that it is. But there would be times that, I mean, fear can jump on you in a moment of time and scare you, to intimidate you, to keep you from maybe taking a step of faith or whatever it may be. Well, Paul told Timothy, God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In the name of Jesus, I've not been given a spirit of fear. But I thank you, Father, that I have a calm one translation says, a well-disposition of spirit. There's been times at night that I can't sleep because I'm 
analytical. My mind's running. And I'm like, I'm tired. But my, I just, my mind's just going. I've actually taken authority over my mind. Shut up. Go to sleep. <laughs> it works. So I don't care. <laughs> but there have been times where, and, and again, it's not all the time. But there are times, and, and you know, even at the beginning of this year, one of the things that I, that I really felt in my heart was that we needed to have discernment. Yes. Sometimes we need to have, and you can ask the Lord, Lord, is the, are these circumstances that I'm experiencing, am I the cause? Because if I'm the cause, tell me what to do to fix it. Right. But if this is the enemy, I already know how to fix it. I've been given a name. I've been given the right to use the name of Jesus that when I would stand upon the word of God, for his promises to see what he would, what he's provided for me, then it's like Jesus himself saying it over my life. Amen. That's the authority that we've been given. So just like we don't have to call the power company to turn our lights on, we don't always just have to run to God and say, please help, please help, please help. Not, there's nothing wrong with that. We ought to pray. We ought to, to ask the Lord to help us. But sometimes I think we're praying when we should be speaking with authority. It's not always just always up to God. Sometimes it's also up to us. And we need to speak in line with the word of God. So let me give you six things real quickly as I wrap this up. Six things that I believe that help us get in line with God's will in regards to using the name of Jesus. And so, uh, so six meanings, if you will, or six things. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, what are we doing? Number one is that we are admitting the insufficiency of our own name and our own ability. I'm realizing, God, I ain't got this. I don't have it. So in the name of Jesus, because when you use that name, what, that's who's backing this up. Who's, who's putting their stamp of approval on this? Am I just praying, saying, in the name of David... Because the devil may look at me and say, hey, I know you. But when I say in the name of Jesus, all of a sudden he's, oh, shoot. <laughs> this isn't just David talking. Because if I don't listen to David, then Jesus might show up. And then I'm going to really be in trouble. So we're, we're realizing or admitting the, the, the limitation of our own ability. The second thing that we do when we pray in Jesus' name is that we identify with Jesus personally. Like that we personally make that connection with Him. I would also say like this, is that when I use His name, I'm confessing that He is mine and that I am His. There's this connection. Number three thing that happens when we pray in Jesus' name, we pray in His authority, not ours. It's like Jesus Himself. Now, to pray and, you know, and I'll say this even along with this. Well, I'll go to number four, and they, they, this takes care of that. Number four, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're submitting to his will, yes. not our will. <coughs> Submission. None of us like that word. You want to get married, folks upset? Start talking about submitting to one another. <laughs> mm. People don't like that, but. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're submitting to his will. 
See, we see that even in the life of Jesus that his authority was completely dependent upon his submission to the Father. Jesus said it this way, I don't say or do anything that I didn't first hear and see and get from the Father. Jesus lived a submitted life. He wasn't for himself. So even when we're praying, if we want, and and really part of this is if we will keep these things in order, it makes sure that our prayers are in line and praying properly using the name of God. So to ask in his name means to ask in accordance with his nature. And his nature is that of one that submits. So we submit our will. Not my will, but your, your will be done. It's the way Jesus prayed it. The fifth thing is that when we pray in the name of Jesus, what we're saying is that we are representing Christ and his interest here on the earth. In other words, he said that you are my disciples. So he said if God's going to do anything in the earth, it's going to come through his people. So we're representing God's interest. Jesus has given every believer unlimited power and authority in all matters with the right to use his name in every situation. We have unlimited access. It is the game changer. It is, our, it is our advantage over the enemy. The last one, number six, is we pray expectantly. When we pray in Jesus' name, we may expect the answer to be based off the value of his name and not ours. We ought to have some expectation. So we pray great or we, we, we pray with great expectation. Because why? I'm not just praying for what I want. I've submitted myself. I've submitted my will. I've submitted my desires. I'm not praying based off of my own goodness, my own ability, my own righteousness. I'm not praying from, hey, I've had a good week, so this week I can ask God for something. I can pray saying, this is my worst week in a while, but I can still go to God. Yeah. Why? Because it's not based off of me. It's based off of His authority that I get to use. Therefore, I can pray in his name with faith, with an expectation. This is, it's not about what I've done or what, I, or what I did. It's about what Jesus has done and what Jesus has made available. And because of what he has done for me, now I can walk in his power and in his authority. And the circumstances and the situations of my life have to line up with the will of God in my life. Not my will. With God's will in my life. And I have the name of Jesus. You have the name of Jesus for what purpose? To bring about everything that God wants to do in your life. To bring about uh, God's goodness, God's power into your life, into the lives of other people. We've been given this. I mean, Jesus himself said, I mean, how crazy would it be for us to stand before Jesus and say, you know, I gave you my name. I I thought you might use it. Well, I didn't want to use it wrong. I would rather use it wrong than not use it at all. I mean, look, if I got it right two out of five times, (laughs) it's better than zero out of five times because I just was like, ooh. Don't make it so mechanical. Man, this is always what I tell people. How do I know if I'm praying right? Go find some scripture. Just pray some scripture over it. Because you know God likes that. You know he'll approve of that. The Bible says he watches over his word to perform it, to bring it about, to bring it to pass in our life. Okay, so let me go find some scripture. I've got some limitation. I've got an illness, a sickness. I've got something going on in my life. Let me go get some scripture. And I'm going to begin to pray that over my life. And I'm going to 
put the God's stamp of approval, which is the name of Jesus upon it. And if you'll keep doing that, guess what's going to happen? Faith is going to rise. Your belief that God would do what he said will rise, and you're going to see those answers come to pass. But, you know, I, and I, can, I can only speak from just experience, if you will, in this. And it's, you know, is that the longer that I've walked with the Lord, I would love to say that I've just gotten this down even better. And I have grown in a lot of things. But there are still times that I can be unaware that the enemy is gaining an advantage. And that's why I need to have the Holy Spirit to help me. To give me that moment to say, something's going on here. This isn't just natural. This is spiritual in nature. And this is the enemy coming to steal from me. Trying to rob the life that God has for me. And I need to take authority in this moment. And in that moment is when I can live there, which is what I strive to do all the time. But we all miss it at times. But, but when I can walk in the authority and the, the power that God has given me, that's when I can experience triumph and victory in my life. It's when you can experience triumph and victory in your life. Doesn't mean that storms won't come, but just like Jesus stood up on the back of the boat and said, what? Peace be still. Why could Jesus do that? Because he had authority over the winds and the waves. Amen. I don't know what song it is, but I, I can't think of it right now. But I love this line. and it's, It makes a statement. It says, the winds and the waves still know his name. Amen. I don't know what song it is, but it's a cool lyric. The wind and the waves still know his name. The troubles that you face, the things that you are dealing with. First off, you're not the only one. There's nothing that you face that other people haven't faced. And that's not to minimize what you're going through. But don't buy into the lie that I'm the only one. Elijah did that and God said, no, I got 7,000 prophets just like you on the other side of the hill. You know, don't think you're special. But also what God has done for others, he'll do for you. But we have to what? We have to stand in faith in the name of Jesus. Speak over our life. Speak over circumstances. Speak over, you know, relationships. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There really is power. There's God's ability attached to that name. And when we use it properly, it will bring about tremendous results. Amen.